There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Well, here we are on Thursday in the podcast. We certainly are thankful for the week the Lord has given us. We're thankful for the services here in Shingle House. Felt like the Lord has met with us, helped us different nights. And we certainly appreciate, appreciate folks coming to visits, had several folks at the meeting who've let us know they listen to the podcast. Some have asked questions about the podcast, some have asked questions about some doctrinal things they've heard and had folks contact us today concerning Job and some things in the book of Job. And we are so thankful for that. It means folks are listening. It means folks are searching, folks are seeking. What a blessing that is to us. And that's why we do this. We want folks to seek out God. And I realize sometimes I get stuck in that rut. And this is a doctrinal podcast. We're getting stuck in that rut of looking for Jesus Christ, but I believe it's a good rut to be in. But at the same time, we're in that place looking for Christ. We need to understand the doctrine. It's a more than just seeing Christ. It's understanding the doctrine of Christ, the doctrines of the Word of God. And so that's what we're looking for in the book of Job. Tonight, tomorrow night, Lord willing, we'll still be here at the Grace Bible Independent Baptist Church in Shingle House, Pennsylvania, 7 o'clock the next two nights. And looking forward to what the Lord is going to do there. And so pray for us. Pray the Lord to continue to meet with us. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you come out and be a part of the services. Let someone else know about the podcast. One man told me that he's been putting it on people's phones for him, helping them access the podcast. And we rejoice in that. We thank the Lord for that. We're in Job chapter 20 today. And then answered Zophar the Namathite and said, Therefore do my thoughts cause me to answer, and for this I make haste. Now, there's a couple of ways you could look at this. The one way I looked at this is my thoughts cause me to answer, my thinking, my reasoning. The reason I say that is because in verse 3, he says, the spirit of my understanding causeth me to answer. Now, there's a lot to know about understanding. There is biblical understanding. That is Jesus Christ. That is salvation. When you understand scripturally Jesus Christ, that's the truth of the word of God. These are they that have understanding, the parable of the sower. They have the word of God. They have the inward work of God. They have an understanding that the natural man does not have, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. They have an understanding that only God can give. These things are spiritually discerned. But there's also your natural understanding. And a lot of that is your mind. It is your thinking. What is your mind? It's collaboration of your thoughts. Uh, the things that you've been raised with. That's why every person has a different mind. It's why you never try to get folks to follow your mind or your pattern of your thinking. And that includes in standards and practices and ways of living. You can teach those things, but you don't demand that of people because they think different than you do. Their mind is different than yours. Now, to have the mind of Christ is to know him. And that mind of Christ is what we ultimately are seeking. And if you have the mind of Christ, then your standards will be up to par and your living will be right and you will do the things that God would have you to do if you have the mind of Christ. But when you have your understanding and your thinking, then it's not necessarily God's thinking. 
It's just an objective reasoning. It's just something that you can argue to your blue in the face. I have this reasoning. I think this should take place. I hear that so often in the area of marriage. What the Bible says about a husband, what the Bible says about a wife and raising children, we hear those things. And so many times people have ideals or they have thoughts or, you know, I want this or I want this. And you listen to young men seeking a wife and the things they're looking for. And they're not biblical. It's just their thinking. And the young ladies, it's not necessarily biblical, it's just their thinking. Well, you can apply that in every area of life, but the problem is that Zophar here has heard from the Lord, he's heard of the resurrection, but he's going to respond according to his answer, for this I make haste. I have heard the check of my reproach, and the spirit of my understanding causeth me to answer. And I know we're in a day when people just make up all these spirits. You know, you have the spirit of aggression. You have the spirit of laziness. You have the spirit of idealism. You have the spirit of, con- you know, they just make up all these crazy spirits. But the spirit of understanding is within himself. And I see that clearly there. And knowest thou not this of old, since man was placed upon earth, that the triumphing of the wicked is short and the joy of the hypocrite, but for a moment. And he asks two questions there. And he's asking this of Job, who speaks of the resurrection. He's asking Job that said he would see God. And he's contending with him over that. He is not rightly, again, speaking of God. He's not rightly discerning what God has said. And therefore, he is accusing Job, basically, of being a hypocrite. Uh, The triumph of the wicked is short. And if you take that doctrinally, as we've continued in this, the triumph of the wicked will be short. He has but seven years to rejoice. In verse 6, though, his excellence mounted up to the heavens and his head reached under the clouds. So there he begins to identify. So it's a little bit more as he speaks here, because again, he's talking about the wicked. He's talking about that one, I believe, again, that man of sin. And he is speaking, contending with Job. And he continues to contend with Job as Job speaks the truth and Job prophesies of Christ. He continues to contend as the wicked. He contends for the wicked. And here he says, though he's actually mounted to the heavens and his head reached under the clouds, but yet he speaks rightfully and that the triumphing will be short and the joy of the hypocrite before a moment. So in that sense, he is speaking correctly. In that sense, he's prophesying correctly. He will have a time. That time of Jacob's trouble will be part of that. It will be his days. It will be his time. But then the time of Jesus Christ will come, and his triumphing will be short. In verse 7, he tells us, Yet he shall perish forever like his own dung. They which have seen him shall say, Where is he? And he's gone. He's no longer here. Why is he gone? He shall fly away as a dream. He shall not be found. Yea, he shall be chased away as a vision of the night. The eye also which saw him shall see him no more, neither shall his place any more behold him. What is his place? It's that seat. It's that place that God is going to allow him to take, allow him to have. It is on earth. It is the seat of God, according to Ezekiel chapter 28. He will be in the seat of God. He will be like the most high God, he says. And yet it's just a short while. It's going to be a short thing. It's going to be a dream. And his children shall seek to please the poor, and his hands shall restore their goods. His bones are full of the sin of his youth, which shall lie down with him in the dust. So again, we go back and forth on these things. We look at these and angle this and wonder on these things, and things I don't fully have understanding of. Again, is he speaking of that son of perdition? Most likely he is here. And he says, though wickedness be sweet in his mouth, though he hide it under his tongue, though he spare it and forsake it not, but keep it still within his mouth. What is that? The wickedness. He hides it, but it's there. 
And we can just apply that to each and every one of us. There's wickedness there. We just learn to hide it. We learn to bury it. We learn to keep it under our tongue. Most of your wickedness comes out of your mouth. Word of God tells us that. So if you learn to hide it under your tongue, then you think you've accomplished something. You think nobody knows what you are. Yet it's a hypocrisy. Yet his meat in his bowels is turned. It is the gall of asps within him. And he goes on here and he says, he has swallowed down riches and he shall vomit them up again. God shall cast them out of his belly. He shall suck the poison of asps. The viper's tongue shall slay him. He shall not see the rivers, the floods, the brooks of honey and butter. That which he labored for shall he restore and shall not swallow it down. According to his substance shall the restitution be, and he shall not rejoice therein because he hath oppressed. And by the way, those verses 16, 17, 18, no doubt it's that world that Jesus Christ is going to come into. That man of sin is going to come, and he's going to be the savior of the world. He's going to present himself as the savior of the world, and he is going to rule, and he's going to rule as a governor in that one world church, one world government, one world system. It'll all fall into place under his power, but he's not going to enjoy that. He's not going to be able to see the rivers, the floods, the brooks of honey and butter. That which he labored to restore, he's not going to get to enjoy that. Why? He's prepared for Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ will come, and he will come, and he will sit on that throne, the throne of David. That which he has labored for shall restore, shall not swallow it down according to his substance, shall the restitution be, and he shall not rejoice therein, because he hath oppressed and hath forsaken the poor, because he hath violently taken away an house which he builded not. Surely he shall not feel quietness in his belly, he shall not save of that which he desired. Again, one of the great references, I've referenced it already, but one of the things we need to understand in this is Ezekiel 28, and we see there the prince of Tyrus, we see the king of Tyrus, we see their folly, we see their sin, we see iniquity being found in the king of Tyrus. The prince of Tyrus is going to sit on the throne of God. He told you that. The word of God tells you that. And so it's an understanding that we can relate this and understand some of these things. And I do say some of these things. You'll notice I'm going pretty quick through this chapter. There's a heaviness here, but I don't fully have understanding of these things. There shall none of his meat be left in verse 21. Therefore shall no man look for his goods. In the fullness of his sufficiency, he shall be in straits. Every hand of the wicked shall come upon him. And then he goes on in verse 23, when he is about to fill his belly, God shall cast the fury of his wrath upon him and shall rain it upon him while he is eating. What is that? It's the fury of God's wrath. It is those hailstones that Job speaks of later, reserved in day of judgment. It is the treasures of the snow, the treasures of the hail. It is those things that God has laid up. It is going to be all of his fury and all of his wrath, and it's going to be poured out. And why is it going to be poured out? Because they have defied his son. They have cursed his son. They have said, we are gods. One has said, I am God. I sit in the seat of God. And therefore, God pours out his wrath upon them. And, and when he's about to fill his belly with all these things that he's restored and all these things that have come, finally the riches have come. You know, the mother of harlots is sold to him. He is bought and sold in goods and in, in gold and in silver and in precious cloth and in jewels and in the souls of men. He's bartered, he's exchanged, he's traded. He has cast those out and slain those that would not sit under his authority and under his power. He's now finally come to the pinnacle. He's come to the place where he's going to rule and he's going to reign. And God pours his wrath out upon him. And Jesus Christ, the Son of God, comes with the sword of his mouth. He slays and he kills. 
And that will be a day, a glorious day, a wonderful day. And I do pray that you're witness to that coming with Jesus Christ. I do pray that you are with Jesus Christ coming as he returns to this earth and pours out his wrath upon this earth. He shall flee from the iron weapon and the bow of steel shall strike him through. So the word of God tells you that. That bow of steel is going to strike him through, that deadly wound. It is drawn and cometh out of the body. Yea, the glittering sword cometh out of his gall. Terrors are upon him. And so that glittering sword cometh out of his gall. Where is that? It's in the inward parts, that gall sack, that sack above the liver. That's where it's going to strike him. Again, a picture, partly a picture of the soul. That's why he's fat. Uh, again, we know he's fat. He's, he, we understand the enormity of this man, and, and some others have spoken on that. I don't want to speak out of sorts on that because it's not something I myself have seen, except that he isn't going to be fat. He's about to fill his belly, and, uh, and his, his glittering sword comes out of his gall. That's his inward parts. Terrors are upon him. All darkness shall be hid in his secret places. A fire not blown shall consume him. It shall go ill with him that is left in his tabernacle. Why? Because that sword of the mouth, the spirit of Jesus Christ, the sword of his mouth will come and he's going to slay. That sharp two-edged sword is going to kill him. It's going to slay those with him. He's going to be struck through with that rod of iron and that deadly wound is going to slay him. Now, he's going to be cast into the pit. We understand that. And finally, death and hell are cast into the lake of fire will be his ultimate demise. What he's again, as we see this, I cannot help but see this. I see him coming. I see him coming to power. I see as the prophecy is made of him by Zophar the Naamathite, but I also see the victory of Jesus Christ, that glory that's going to come with him. And he said, the heavens shall reveal his iniquity and the earth shall rise up against him. I don't know who else it could be. The heaven's going to reveal his iniquity and they're going to see the son of God come and realize he's their savior. Realize they've been following the man of sin, and Jesus Christ is going to slay them because they followed that man of sin. They took that mark upon their forehead, and they took the 666 mark upon their forehead and damned themselves. And they did that so they could feed their bellies, but they did have no faith in God. They would not believe God, and they take that mark unto themselves, and they die and perish under the sword. The heavens shall reveal his iniquity. And the earth shall rise up against him. The increase of his house shall depart, and his good shall flow away in the day of his wrath. This is a portion of a wicked man from God, and the heritage appointed unto him by God. Now, you can say, well, that's any wicked man. Well, I don't see that destruction come upon any wicked man. I do see that destruction come upon one wicked man. And uh, Paul, in the book of uh, the First Thessalonians, calls him that wicked then that wicked shall be revealed. And that is his title that's given to him. And I see that in the word of God. And so when we see this is the portion of a wicked man, I believe it is that wicked. And the heritage appointed unto him by God. Tomorrow, Lord willing, we'll close out the week in Job 21 as we look at Job's response to Zophar the Namathite. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning and he longs to Turn to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website 
or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glory.